0: Good morning. Good morning. Um, wonderful to see you all here. Thanks for coming. Um. So you can trust the universe completely. This is a line from a a chant that we do um, once a week or so. Um, And it's a different translation than I had ever heard for this chant. In fact, when I take this translation and try and compare it to others, I often can't even find this line. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet it kind of um, touches me each time I hear it. So uh, you can trust the universe completely. so the context uh, for that line is for the mind in harmony with the Tao or the way all selfishness disappears with not even a trace of self-doubt you can trust the universe completely <clears throat> So I at some point said that my the, the sort of idea or theme for this talk was um, letting go and uh, joining the flow of life, um, and um, I'd like to try and um, we'll see how it goes, um, but um, to me the this lies at the the very heart of my own experience of practice. This sort of dynamic um, activity of um, letting go of my usual way of being and entering some sort of fullness over and over again um, until I learn to trust it. So. The nice thing about Buddhism is, you know, we can read a sutra and it says trust the universe completely, we don't have to sort of take that um, uh, on faith. Um, in fact, we're encouraged not to, um, but instead to um, to try different ways of, of being um, that... Introduce us to a kind of fullness of the activity of life um, until we feel and soak in and understand it ourselves um, as much as we can. You know, maybe we just have to be it. Um, So I've been enjoying recently this, um, I'll call it a new book, although the teacher's been dead for 20 years. but this is a, a book called The Light That Shines Through Infinity by um, Dainin Katagiri, Katagiri Roshi. Um, and it's... Um, so I think I've, I've talked about this before. Um, I, I've studied Chinese medicine. Um, and um, in Chinese medicine and in the sort of Chinese um, cosmology, there's this idea of qi. I think most people have at least heard of qi. Um, And it's hard to talk about qi. Um, Some people call it energy. Um, I'll call it a sort of dynamic activity. But um, it's interesting to me that qi in Chinese medicine, so we have form and kind of immateriality, form and energy, sometimes in Buddhism. And qi informs both. So, um, there's what's called yang qi, or yang energy, um, which is um, ephemeral, it's movement, it's light, Um, and then there's yin qi, which is material, fluid or solid, Um, but both are forms of qi, or activities of qi. Um, So in this book, um, uh, Katagiri Roshi is talking a lot about this dynamic activity of life. Um, And I'll just share um, a little piece. He says, Shakyamuni Buddha taught that a magnificent magnificent event is unfolding in every aspect of everyday life. Vivid, living energy is constantly at work, creating and supporting your life. It is just like a fire that is eternal and boundless. Whoever you are, your life is very precious because the original energy of life is working in your life. Buddhism uses the technical term Dharma to describe the functioning of this great original energy. so a little later on he says we study and practice practiced Buddhist teaching in order to go deep into our own life there you discover your original place the place where all beings live together in peace before we exist as individual beings from that place you can join the flow of life living in harmony with all beings, and walking together hand in hand. This is the guideline for Buddhist study and practice. Um, So at the heart of our life, at the heart of reality, is this kind of um, vibrancy um, and to me, this is kind of reassuring in some way. I think um, there are, f- kind of, you know, Buddhism is this very wide field of philosophy and thought and practice, and there are many um, <coughs> teachings around um, emptiness and um, the inherent kind of changing nature of reality and there being nothing to rely on and I think sometimes these teachings on emptiness feel a little scary you know a little kind of um, whoa I don't know that I want to know that or something um, <laughs> and um, these teachings on the sort of dynamic flow of life of dharma sometimes um, to, to felt like an antidote to this feeling of emptiness. Um, but of course it's all kind of under one big um, tent. Um, and maybe even um, you know this letting go and entering the flow of life, it's kind of both sides. So letting go is kind of, there's nothing to grasp, there's nothing to um, hold on to, and then entering the flow of life is this kind of, when we can do that, to the extent that we can do that, and even when we don't, and maybe we're not aware of it, we're just sort of coursing in this vitality of everything. So I think mostly today I'd like to talk about letting go, um, which is hard to talk about because um, it gets tricky really quickly Um, because we view letting go as just another thing to do, um, another thing that we're in charge of. And that trips us up. Um, So there's lots of of maybe levels of letting go in in practice, in my experience. And one of the first that's really important, I think, is letting go of thought, letting go of the thinking mind. Um, So this is a wonderful activity for for zazen, for sitting on our cushion. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. So, um, this is a piece from Uchiyama Roshi and he says, um, it is perfectly natural that thoughts occur. Yet, if we chase after thoughts, we are thinking and no longer doing zazen. So what should our attitude be? Briefly, aiming at maintaining the posture of zazen with our flesh and bones, Letting go of thoughts is the most appropriate expression for describing what our attitude should be. What is letting go of thoughts? Well, when we think, we think of something. Thinking of something means grasping that something with thought. However, during zazen, we open the hand of thought that is trying to grasp something and simply refrain from grasping. This is letting go of thoughts. Um, So this is a wonderful metaphor, and it's actually used as the the title of this book, um, Opening the Hand of Thought. Um, And I think, to me, it's been helpful in explaining the difference between one extreme and another. So, one extreme is to view our own mind as a as a problem. You know, I have to stop it. I have to get rid of something. Um, so that's one extreme, and the other extreme is like everything I think is true. You know, everything, every thought. Yes, that's right. That's correct. You know, um, treating our lives in these two extremes is pretty problematic. But somewhere in the middle is this opening the hand of thought. So, thought will come, you know, and um, I can kind of offer it. I like this opening, this sort of action of opening the hand of thought, but it's not throwing the thought away. Um, sometimes I think, like, it, 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 an image came that it was like a, a butterfly or a moth or something in my, in my hand. So when I open the hand of thought, it's like, uh, it's okay to fly away thought, you know. Um, And yet, if it doesn't, it's okay to sit on my hand. I'm still making that offering. Um, So, you know, even in this simple practice, there's a lot involved. You know, Um, I discovered early on in practice like, well, first I have to realize that I'm thinking, you know, first I have to see that. What's the activity of my mind is kind of discrete thought. Um, And then if I can kind of see, oh, I'm thinking, or I can see what I'm thinking about, then I have some chance to let it go um, or to offer it. Um, And in the process of that, I think it's pretty common um, to... Uh, come up against some barrier of fear. Even early on in the simple activity of trying to let go of thought, if I let go of this thinking mind, this sort of track that I'm on, very quickly all these other questions come up. Who am I? If I'm not this thought, if I'm not this idea of who I am. Um, So I think that's included in this sense of um, just opening the hand of thought. If I'm not ready to actually let go, it can it can stay. You know, um, maybe in fear I don't want to kind of really fathom not being with that thought. Um, really fathom what might happen after that thought. Okay, you know, um, for the moment that's that's where I'm at. <clears throat> So there's a famous Zen story about stepping from the 100-foot pole. Um, Here's one version of it. Master Shishan asked, how will you step forward from the top of the 100-foot pole? Commenting on this, an ancient master said, even though one who is sitting is on top of the 100-foot pole, I'm sorry, even though one who is sitting on top of the 100-foot pole has entered the way of awakening. It is yet not yet authentic. She must step forward from the top of the pole and manifest her whole body throughout the 10 directions. He must step forward from the top of the pole and manifest his whole body throughout the 10 directions. So somehow we got to the top of the 100-foot pole, you know, that probably took some effort. Um, um, might even seem like a really good thing or an accomplishment. Um, and yet there we are standing on top of it. Um, you know, what happens now? So the Shin Xin Ming says you can trust the universe completely. Um. So in Zen practice, there's a kind of stage of um, being encouraged by your teacher to... Um, start viewing yourself differently or something, or um, how do you even describe it? But there's something called being the head student or the chuseau. Um And um, it's a kind of working closely with your teacher um, and beginning to offer your own perspective on practice to other people. Um, and I did this um, in San Francisco uh, with um, Paul Holler, and there's a um, there's a ceremony that opens. It's a three month period of training, and there's a ceremony that opens the training. I'm sure it's probably been done here at some point. Um, mm-hmm. yes. and it's very scripted. It's very Japanese, um, and there's kind of lines that you're supposed to say in response. Um, And mostly the the kind of feeling of it is that the the person who's being, um, who's about to enter into this period of being the head student, sort of uh, deferring, you know, I'm not ready, I'm not worthy of this kind of great offering. Um, And um, in the scripted, there's a line, and it's repeated three times, you know, the, the student says, I'm not worthy of this, and the teacher, there's some line that the teacher offers encouragement. No, it's okay, you can, you know, please step forward. Um, And it's very much like um, Paul to kind of go off script um, in such ceremonies. Um, And there was a moment where I repeated the line, you know, I'm not worthy of this, I shouldn't be doing this, I'm not ready for this, and he was... You know, repeating his line and then the third time came and he just sort of left the line behind and he said something like um, when you take a step forward the whole universe rushes in to your aid you know? mm-hmm. um, and I felt loved in that moment um, I don't know what you know I think the circumstances sometimes help help us touch some deeper feeling of what's happening but um, it felt like a great encouragement so um, I think there's lots of times in our life when we're standing on the top of the 100 foot pole you know and sometimes we stay there for a long time um Maybe I can offer some encouragement that it has been my experience um, that something unforeseen and dynamic is kind of um, anticipating our our entering into um, our life in a deeper way um, and is there to aid us. So that kind of speaks to a moment of letting go that's a kind of action that's an activity like I'm going to take this step into the unknown, you know that's letting go of what I know, but it's also an active process um, But I think often in in practice life and maybe in our in our life overall, letting go actually takes the form of like stopping doing the thing that we've always been doing, Um, to have a moment of like, well, maybe I just won't react that way, sort of doing nothing, of kind of the absence (coughs) of our usual activity is letting go. Um, So I've been really enjoying um, living here in Austin, and I've only been here for about six months or so, um, maybe less than that. But one thing that's been hard for me is to be away from the ocean. Um, and uh, I, for a while, especially when I lived in the Bay Area, I got very into learning how to surf and living, eventually lived at the beach and you know, tried to go four or five times a week. And um, being in the ocean became this vibrant activity in my life. And um, in surfing, there's um, I think there's a kind of physical learning about the environment. So we go out in the ocean, and very quickly we understand like oh, th- I'm in I'm I'm on I might as well be on Mars. You know? I'm in some other environment that's not the environment that I'm used to being in, and I don't. Um, and I think that even just that sort of foreignness opens up our senses, you know, like, where am I? You know, what's going to happen here? Um, so in surfing, there's a, um, there can be a steep learning curve in certain instances, and there's um, there's a particular uh, place to be in relation to a wave that's kind of um, the worst-case scenario. Um, <laughs> And it's called going over the falls. Um, And it basically means that you're on the top of a breaking wave. So you want to be in front of the wave. You want the wave to be pushing you. But if you're sitting on top of the wave and then it suddenly breaks, you basically, um, you fall. And then you fall to where the wave broke and it kind of um, tumbles you. um, So there's a sort of timing aspect, you know, when you're on, when you sort of see a wave coming and you're starting to paddle, and you want to paddle so that right as the wave's power kind of starts to curl over, you're you're in front of it. But if you paddle too slowly, you know, the wave just sort of rides underneath you and you miss the wave, and it kind of breaks in front of you. Or you paddle too fast, and it sort of breaks behind you and then just kind of rolls over you that way. Um but if you just miss by a little bit and you're sitting on top of the wave, um, it's called going over the falls. So the, the wave breaks, you fall from from whatever height the wave was, and then it kind of um, sucks you under and rolls you around and you don't you know depending on how big the wave is, you don't know often what direction is even up you know so you kind of it, it sort of lets you go at some point and you kind of... You're not sure where to even try to swim and so um, we're encouraged in these moments to relax you know like actually you will float to the top um, uh, and actually you might create trouble for yourself if you try and swim in some direction that's not actually towards the surface um, but when I started going out in in waves that were a little above my kind of comfort level, um, the first few times this happened, where I went over the falls and I just sort of fell into the water and just rolled around and I would pop up, and the feeling in my body was euphoric. Um, And I think a couple times I just sort of, oh, that was amazing, you know, like there was a kind of exclamation. Um, And I didn't expect that. Um, And I think there was something about... um, not being at all in control of my uh, experience physically, you know, when when I'm when you're kind of in that falling and in that tumbling, there's nothing you could do to change what's happening. Um, and um, when we open up to that, when we just say, "Okay, I'm just going to roll with whatever's happening here," I mean, think in this instance in this particular scenario in surfing it felt safe to me because it's just water you know if I fall even 10-15 feet it's just into water again and then I get tumbled around in water um at least where I was surfing there are certain places where it's very shallow and you could you know you could get really hurt but where I was it wasn't like that and um So there's a kind of general sense of safety and then a sense of being totally out of control, totally at the will, at the whim of something else. And um, my response to that was kind of relief and joy. Um, And I think there are moments like this, even in zazen practice or in a retreat or sitting where um, we're making some effort at sitting upright and we're getting tired and we're slouching and then we're kind of trying to sit upright again and we're fighting or we're battling something in our, in our kind of being, in our, in our experience. And there's some, I don't know, grace or epiphany that's like, well, maybe I just shouldn't battle this. Like maybe this is just the way my life is in this moment you know, then, okay, like, it still might be painful or discomforting, but there's a kind of relief in um, accepting the reality that we're given. Um, and this is um, a kind of letting go that's forced upon us. It's actually forced upon us by the discomfort we feel in that moment. Um, <clears throat> and I think... What I recommend is that there's something to be learned in that feeling of ah, like, when I don't fight anymore, what's happening, and it feels like a relief, to kind of really tune into that feeling, to um, explore that sensation of letting go. So, so much of letting go uh, isn't under our control. If I have a repeating thought in my mind in a in a retreat or something, oh I don't want to think about this thing again and yet it just came back up and it's there in my mind I, It's not totally in my control to um, and yet if I just sort of like accept my own reality like oh there's that thought again like there's a kind of um, I stop kind of pushing against it um there's something I'm learning in that moment. And learning not in a kind of, um, I can write an essay on it or explain it even now, um, but physically I'm learning something about what it means to struggle against and what it means to kind of um, allow, allow my experience of of living. So another one of my favorite um, koan stories is um, a monk asked Uman what <clears throat> what will it be when trees wither and leaves fall? Uman said you embody the golden breeze. Um, how is it When the tree withers and the leaves fall, body exposed in the golden wind. Um, Other translations, the golden wind is revealing itself. Um, So part of stepping off the hundred foot pole, uh, part of accepting my experience is that um, there's a kind of loss of differentiation between me and the experience between um, so becoming this vibrant dynamic um, pulsing life just gonna share one last um, poem that we sometimes, well, we've <coughs> chanted at other centers, we don't usually chant it here, but um, it's called the Song of the Grass Hermitage or the Grass Hut. Um, and it's a, a, a kind of a, a style of teaching that is called the sort of Song of Enlightenment. So it's this expression from an old master of, of kind of what it feels like to, um, to be coursing in this um, vital reality, um, sort of from the perspective of that place. Um, so he says, I build a grass hut where there is nothing of value. After eating, I relax and enjoy a nap. When the hut was completed, fresh weeds appeared. Now it's been lived in, covered by weeds. The person in the hut lives here calmly, not stuck to inside, outside, or in between. Places worldly people live, he doesn't live. Realms worldly people love, she doesn't love. Though the hut is small, it includes the entire world. In ten square feet, an old man illumines forms in their nature. <clears throat> A Mahayana bodhisattva trusts without doubt. You can trust the universe completely. <clears throat> the middling or lowly can't help wondering, will this hut perish or not? Perishable or not, the original master is present, not dwelling south or north east or west firmly based on steadiness it can't be surpassed a shining window below the green pines jade palaces or vermilion towers can't compare with it just sitting with head covered all things are at rest thus this mountain monk doesn't understand at all Living here, he no longer works to get free. Who would proudly arrange seats trying to entice guests? Turn around the light to shine within, then just return. The vast inconceivable source can't be faced or turned away from. Meet the ancestral teachers, be familiar with their instruction. Bind grasses to build a hut and don't give up. Let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. Open your hands and walk innocent. Thousands of words, myriad interpretations are only to free you from obstructions. If you want to uh, know the undying person in the hut, Don't separate from this skin bag here and now. So let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. Um, I wondered if there was a, a question something you wanted to share yeah have you found something new like surfing that makes you get that instant yeah. sense of being in the world? I like to walk um, along the creek um, that kind of gives me that feeling of being in the natural world at least locally right here Not not so much. You know, I think that was a pretty unique experience um, for me. It kind of unlocked something that was bound in me um, that I don't expect to have that experience all the time. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you.